Section 13 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 10, England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 13. How Cromwell Dissolved Parliament, 1653, by François-Pierre-Guillaume Guizot. Cromwell wished to summon a new parliament, but the assembly then in session refused to adjourn, and led by Sir Henry Vane, was about to pass a dissolution bill, according to which the membership should remain unchanged, and none who might be elected to fill vacancies could be admitted unless the members approved. The Editor. Cromwell was informed that the Parliament was sitting, and that Vane, Martin, and Sidney were pressing the immediate adoption of what they called the Dissolution Bill. The members of the House who were with Cromwell at Whitehall went off immediately to Westminster, but Cromwell himself remained with his officers, determined still to wait, and not to act unless forced to do so by extreme necessity. Presently, Colonel Ingoldsby arrived, exclaiming, If you mean to do anything decisive, you have no time to lose. The House was on the point of coming to a vote. Vane had insisted, with such warmth and earnestness, on passing the bill, that Harrison had deemed it necessary, most sweetly and humbly, to conjure his colleagues to pause before they took so important a step. Cromwell left Whitehall in haste, followed by Lambert and five or six officers and commanded a detachment of soldiers to march round to the House of Commons. On his arrival at Westminster, he stationed guards at the doors and in the lobby of the House, and led round another body to a position just outside the room in which the members were seated. He then entered alone, without noise, clad in plain black clothes with grey worsted stockings, as was his custom when he was not in uniform. Vane was speaking, and passionately descanting on the urgency of the bill, Cromwell sat down in his usual place, where he was instantly joined by St. John, to whom he said that he was come to do that which grieved him to the very soul, and that he had earnestly with tears prayed God against, nay, that he had rather be torn in pieces than do it, but there was a necessity laid upon him therein, in order to the glory of God and the good of the nation. St. John answered that he knew not what it meant, but did pray that what it was which must be done might have a happy issue for the general good, and so saying he returned to his seat. Vane was still speaking, and Cromwell listened to him with great attention. He was arguing the necessity of proceeding at once to the last stage of the bill, and with that view adjured the House to dispense with the usual formalities which should precede its adoption. Cromwell, at this, beckoned to Harrison. Now is the time, he said, I must do it. Sir, replied Harrison anxiously, the work is very great and dangerous. You say well, answered Cromwell, and sat still for another quarter of an hour. Vane ceased speaking. The speaker rose to put the question, when Cromwell stood up, took off his hat, and began to speak. At first he expressed himself in terms of commendation of the Parliament and its members, praising their zeal and care for the public good. But gradually his tone changed, his accents and gestures became more violent. He reproached the members of the House with their delays, their covetousness, their self-interest, their disregard for justice. You have no heart to do anything for the public good, he exclaimed. Your intention was to perpetuate yourselves in power. But your time is come. The Lord has done with you. 
he has chosen other instruments for the carrying on his work that are more worthy it is the lord hath taken me by the hand and set me on to do this thing vane wentworth and martin rose to speak to him but he would not suffer them to speak you think perhaps he said that this is not parliamentary language i know it but expect no other language from me wentworth at length made himself heard he declared that this was indeed the first time that he had ever heard such unbecoming language given to the parliament and that it was the more horrid in that it came from their servant and their servant whom they had so highly trusted and obliged and whom by their unprecedented bounty they had made what he was cromwell thrust his hat upon his head sprang from his seat into the centre of the floor of the house and shouted out come come we have had enough of this i'll put an end to your prating call them in he added briefly to harrison the door opened and twenty or thirty musketeers entered under the command of lieutenant colonel worsley you are no parliament cried cromwell i say you are no parliament be gone give way to honester men he walked up and down the floor of the house stamping his foot and giving his orders fetch him down he said to harrison pointing to the speaker who still remained in his chair harrison told him to come down but lentall refused take him down repeated cromwell harrison laid his hand on the speaker's gown and he came down immediately algernon sidney was sitting near the speaker put him out said cromwell to harrison sidney did not move put him out reiterated cromwell harrison and worsley laid their hands on sidney's shoulders upon which he rose and walked out this is not honest exclaimed vane it is against morality and common honesty sir harry vane sir harry vane replied cromwell you might have prevented this extraordinary course but you are a juggler and have not so much as common honesty the lord deliver me from sir harry vane and amidst the general confusion as the members passed out before him he flung nicknames in the face of each some of you are drunkards he said pointing to mr challoner some of you are adulterers and he looked at sir peter wentworth some of you are corrupt unjust persons and he glanced at whitelock and others he went up to the table on which the mace lay which was carried before the speaker and called to the soldiers what shall we do with this bauble here take it away he frequently repeated it is you that have forced me to this for i have sought the lord night and day that he would rather slay me than put me upon the doing of this work alderman allen told him that it was not yet gone so far but all things might be restored again and that if the soldiers were commanded out of the house and the mace returned the public affairs might go on in their course cromwell rejected this advice and called allen to account for some hundred thousand pounds which as treasurer of the army he had embezzled allen replied that it was well known that it had not been his fault that his account was not made up long since that he had often tendered it to the house and that he asked no favor from any man in that matter cromwell ordered him to be arrested and he was led off by the soldiers the room was now empty he seized all the papers took the dissolution bill from the clerk and put it under his cloak after which he left the house ordered the doors to be shut and returned to whitehall at whitehall he found several of his officers who had remained there to await the event he related to them what he had done at the house when i went there he said i did not think to have done this but perceiving the spirit of god so strong upon me i would not consult flesh and blood a few hours later in the afternoon 
he was informed that the council of state had just assembled in its ordinary place of meeting in whitehall itself under the presidency of bradshaw he went to them immediately followed only by harrison and lambert gentlemen he said if you are met here as private persons you shall not be disturbed but if as a council of state this is no place for you and since you can't but know what was done at the house this morning so take notice that the parliament is dissolved sir answered bradshaw we have heard what you did at the house in the morning and before many hours all england will hear it but sir you are mistaken to think that parliament is dissolved for no power under heaven can dissolve them but themselves therefore take you notice of that all then rose and left the room on the following day the twenty first of april this announcement appeared in the mercurius politicus which had become cromwell's journal the lord general delivered yesterday in parliament diverse reasons wherefore a present period should be put to the sitting of this parliament and it was accordingly done the speaker and the members all departing the grounds of which proceedings will it is probable be shortly made public and on the same day a crowd collected at the door of the house to read a large placard which had probably been placed there during the night by some cavalier who was overjoyed at finding his cause avenged on the republicans by a regicide it bore this inscription this house to be let unfurnished end of section thirteen this recording is in the public domain